Yeah, we had the easy money for a long time. The last 10, 12 years, we mm -hmm. used to the two, three, four, five percent. Haven't seen a true, you know, six percent. If you look back, just over four decades is normal. Is nothing, right. nothing yeah. too crazy. It's the inflationary environment that's definitely what's the combo of that is definitely hurting. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Hustle on Purpose podcast. My name is GT Eichard, and today we have a very special guest with us, Kanal Katri. Kanal. Yes, sir. Did I say it right? You, I always feel like I'm right. messing it up. I'm you so, got it right. I'm so Arkansan to the core you got that it right. uh, anything other than like Jim, I feel like I'm just going to mess it up. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm excited to get to talk to you today. We've gotten to know each other a little bit, uh, but for those people out there that don't know you, uh, just give us a little bit of background on yourself, where you're from, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, I was born in India, raised in Africa. and Where in India and where in Africa? I was born in Bombay slash Mumbai. Okay. And uh, at six years old, I was adopted by my aunt and uncle. A whole story behind that but the short version then when I was six I went to Africa my parents sent me wow. who, who adopted me sent me to the US when I was 18 and I came to the US in 2002 I've been here about 21 years now so uh, yeah I'm a project engineer project manager by day for Garver engineers and uh, do a few other side hustles getting more involved in real estate so, yeah yeah so that's exciting, a little backdrop man. so where in Africa so it was in Ghana, West Africa. And so, so walk me through the jump at six years old mm -hmm. from India to Ghana, West Africa. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, my, my, my real dad, I never got to see him. Sadly, he was a womanizer. My oh, mom wow. tried to work it out with him. Didn't work out. So she married this other guy, my stepdad, who initially was really nice. He was very kind to my mom and of my grandma and so you know I thought you know working out she married him and he was good for a while until found out he was a closet alcoholic and a chain smoker mm. so he started abusing her and abusing me and my mom obviously being you know by herself in that world uh, she was gonna try to work that marriage out but she didn't want to see me get hurt so she called her sister my aunt up who had come several times to visit India so I knew her um, even at a young age, mm -hmm. and uh, she asked her if she would basically take me in because she was going to try to work hard on that marriage and see if she could change the my stepdad. So at six, I was on a plane all by myself going from India to Africa, and I wow. still remember where I was in, um, I think I reached uh, Lagos, Nigeria, and I wasn't sure. They're like, are you getting off here or in Accra? And honestly, I wasn't sure. I said Accra. Thankfully, I was right. Oh, goodness. So yeah. my little layover <laughs> didn't stay stay over, you know. Thank and goodness. And then uh, my soon-to-be adopted parents, my aunt and uncle, which they never treated me like an adopted son. My, right. If I say that out to my, my cousins, they'll just kill me, you know, for saying that because they never think of me that way. Yeah. But I only say that from time to time just to bring up, you know, the history and, you know, God's faithfulness uh, yeah. through it all that. So, yeah, that's how I got to Africa at, in 1990. Wow. Uh, March of 1990. Yeah. And then, so stayed there until you were 18. Was mm -hmm. the plan to always go to America at 18? Uh, not always, but I think somewhere in my teenage years, in my heart, it was like, okay, 
one day I'm going to America. And it started growing. I can't really pin it down when, but it was definitely a thing that was growing because I was actually supposed to go to med school back in Ghana, and I was okay. enrolled in it. And I got the admission, which is one of the hardest things over there. You go to med school direct from high school. So it's kind of combined. Oh, wow. okay. You know, here you get a basic degree or some kind of pre-med degree and then right. go to med school. Over there, it's kind of combined as a seven, eight-year program. So to get in is very difficult. And the fact that right. I got in, but I wanted to leave it all just because I had this desire to come to the U.S., yeah. which I had a set of uh, stumbling blocks there, too. But eventually made it to the u.s because my brother was going to europe at that time okay and because i was adopted in my heart he he was working hard he didn't go to college immediately after graduating he worked four years to help support the family you know mm. over there in these cultures you know everybody works hard to support the family yeah and so i didn't want to take away from his going to europe and so i was trying to work hard to get my scholarship and all these things on the side and um, but yeah, so I came to the U.S. when I was 18. A one-way ticket just to Miami. To From Miami. there, I took a Greyhound bus, which is another story of it. So. <laughs> what is, so when I think of Ghana, um, I don't know much about it, but I, I've never imagined there being a large Indian community. Mm. Yeah, no, there is actually really? a lot of these, a lot of these, if you want to call it third world countries or these countries, developing countries, a lot of the big cities there have a lot of great business owners that are foreigners. Gotcha. So that could be like I met someone yesterday. They were from Lebanon. Yeah. We had a lot of Lebanese friends that own a lot of hardware stores and all in Ghana. So a lot mm. of these expatriates, if you want to call it that, they own a lot of these big businesses in these countries and Indians also. So a lot of these, yeah. uh, countries it's not abnormal and indians in particular because i think we're the second largest populous country so i yeah. joke that we're like ants we're everywhere they're everywhere <laughs> yeah. that's funny so yeah, yeah so that a lot of people will travel to these developing countries sure. with the interest of starting a business yeah or it could be like my dad who adopted me what happened was he was hired by an indian business owner mm -hmm. really big business in the country and he was hired as a sub-manager of some division, right? So he right. comes, he works, pays his dues, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to branch out. I'm going to start my own business. And that's what happened to him. He worked for a decade for his boss, and then mm. 10 years later in the 70s, he started his own business, restaurant business. Gotcha. Cool. That's exciting. That's, uh, that's interesting because, like I said, I just I would not have pictured a large... Yeah. Indian population there, but yeah. it makes makes sense. Um, okay, so you land in Miami, you take a Greyhound, where do you go? Oh, yeah. So the the little backstory to that is I had uh, applied. Thankfully, I really did well in, in high school. And yeah. I had one of the best grades in the whole West Africa. Wow. And the reason I'm telling that story is because I used to go to the USCIS, which is United States center for something which helps you basically get into these colleges the okay. local thing there it's like a it's a division of the consulate the embassy u.s gotcha. consulate so they're always helping students you know and i uh, applied to all these bigger schools that generally give you know at that time it was like forty thousand dollars a year worth of tuition room and board and scholarship yeah and if you had good sat scores which i did almost close to 800 
I, w- I which is like the ACT is what thirty six. Yeah, thirty six is yeah. I was like ACT, a thirty four, thirty five. Yeah, and so wow. I was thinking, you know, oh, this is a no brainer. I'm going right. Yeah, but the funny story of it all is that m- people with lower grades in, than me were getting in, and I was getting somehow denied, or I would get the admission but not the scholarship, and it was just some hodgepodge going on. And so finally, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to med school. You know, I'd worked a whole year yeah. on even lost a year because I graduated high school when I was 17. So I used a whole year to do all Trying these exams and yeah. do extra exams, SAT 1, 2, all this stuff. So I was disappointed and um, I, uh, I decided, okay, I guess I'm just going to med school, which most people would die to go for. Right. Because it was a very yeah. limited pool. But yeah. I was obviously dejected because I was like, oh, man, my dream is to go to America. Right. So one day I'm in town casually and... Uh, um, I met my friend's dad, my friend who was two years ahead of me in high school. I was like, hey, where's Tony? He's like, hey, he's in Arkansas. I'm like, where in the world is Arkansas? Arkansas. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's in, in the U.S. It's next to Texas. Bill Clinton State. Everybody knew it was Bill Clinton. There you go. He was yeah. very popular. <laughs> uh, he actually had visited Ghana. And so everybody knew Bill Clinton, you know, kind of a charismatic personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And in the international world, they really loved him. So I was like, oh, okay. So he gives me Tony's contact, contact him. And lo and behold, he was going to Arkansas Tech in Russellville. Yeah. So I contacted him and I applied and I got the admission. From Ghana all the way to Arkansas Tech? Yeah, I got the wow. admission. But what the weird story is that this time I didn't have the money because obviously I was trying to get those scholarships because I didn't want to, you know, mess with my brothers. You know, I yeah. felt like, you know, he needed to go first, you know. And... uh so his dad told me, he's like, yeah, Tony went with $0 and he got a scholarship. So in my brain, like, if he went with $0, somehow I'll convince my parents that if they give me $1,000 and a plane ticket, I'll be all right. And don't ask me how I did it, but I did. <laughs> and then like a week before I was leaving, I had the visa, everything. Tony yeah. calls me. Uh, this is my friend who came uh-huh. with $0. And he tells me, if you don't have the whole semester fees, don't come. So I'm thinking, ah, what am I going to do? So I never told that part to my parents. Yeah. (laughs) Because I knew they wouldn't let me go. Right. And I was like, I'll just figure it out. You know, risk. Yeah. Just take the risk. Just get me over there. Just get me over there. And so to that point, uh, I was trying to save as much money coming in. They had these student tickets, one-way tickets. Because obviously my goal is not to go back. Right. And the one-way tickets. Yeah, burn the bridge, burn the boat. And it was a $700 ticket, one-way, from... Accra goes through London and gets you to Miami. I was like, just get me there, bro. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll figure it out from there. I didn't even think of anything else. Yeah, just get me there. And so I get there on a, <laughs> on a Friday. I'm like, oh, wait, I only have $1,000 in my pocket. Yeah. And obviously, I went to inquire about those internal flights. Last minute, they're out the wazoo. You know, I was like, I'm not going to give up my $1,000 just to get a flight to Little Rock. Right. So I found out about the Greyhound, uh, which somebody had told me about. It was $132. I paid a cab, 4 or $8, to get me to the Greyhound station. Uh, almost got robbed that night. Uh, but then I took a 32-hour bus, three transitions, <laughs> saw the ghetto parts as partially of America, oh, and made it to Russellville uh, on a Monday morning. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, just flying into the U.S. with a thousand dollars in a dream to get to Russellville, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, 
So, okay. So then you meet up with your buddy in Russellville and he's like, what are you doing here? You have a thousand dollars and yeah, I didn't even meet him for a few days. He <laughs> pretended like he didn't know me. It was, it was pretty bad. Come on, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. It, and then later on he showed, he stole mine along with other people's social security number. The story gets weirder and he bought, he took out loans in people's names and, and oh, supposedly no. he was a Cracker Jack student and he was. But he was trying to impress some girl, and he got in big trouble later on. Um, wow, that yeah, took a turn. two, three years down the road. All right, so we don't hang out with Tony. Yeah, yeah. So Tony didn't, Tony, like, pretend like he didn't know me. So he was no help to me. So which, he didn't know anybody. Yeah, I didn't know anybody. I get on the campus, and I'm walking around, and the guy who I had met on the Greyhound, some military guy, he told me everything about how social security works. He told me about Salvation Army. And he told me this one line that really brought tears to my eyes because when I was in London having the transit, I was like, you know, if anybody who is so confused doesn't know what they're doing in this moment, you know, I'm leaving everything. My dad, I never had a problem. He took care of us, you know, uh, and in Africa we were doing pretty well. But I was just internally, there was some chaos. I just was looking for something more. I was like, why am I doing this? What, what is the reason? So I was in tears in London. But then on the way from Miami to Russell, then I was like, well, I'm here. I better figure things out. And somebody even offered me a job on the side to get off on Naples. You know, he was going to pay me cash or something. Oh, in Naples, Florida? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, if you get off, you can work for me, whatever. I'll pay you under the table. So I'm, here I'm learning fast track about America, under yeah. the table, cash, social security, financially. I'm learning everything, how to apply, co-signer. <laughs> the first you know. thing is just like, yeah, man, come work for me under the yeah, table. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so thankfully I denied him. And then, but this military guy, he was telling me everything. He's like, well, the worst case, you know, just go stand in front of Salvation Army and, you know, they'll help you out. Yeah. I thought, man, that's pretty bad. I'm in a really low spot, spot in my life. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was sort of living like a king in Africa, you know. Yeah. I have the reverse Eddie Murphy story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he came. That's so funny. And uh, so, yeah, then um, I learned so much. And then I get on the campus and uh, I start, it's a Monday morning. Classes start like Wednesday, Thursday. So this is right before the semester starts. Right before the semester, I just showed up. I, yeah. I did have all the legal requirements, the visa, the admission, yeah. everything. I just didn't know how I was going to pay my fees. Yeah. So you go, <laughs> you, what, you go to like a counselor's office and they, <laughs> yeah. they let you in? So what's funny is I, I'm walking, I'm going to see if I can do my orientation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I show up. They're like, oh man, orientation just started 30 minutes ago. But don't worry, there's another one tomorrow, Tuesday. They, were, they had two sessions. So, okay, so then I start walking around the campus. I'm passing by the cafeteria, and I meet this tall, hippie-looking guy. His name is Ted. He's from Philadelphia, and he's just starting at Tech. He was a second semester. Okay. He's doing emergency management, which I didn't know that's a well-known uh, university. Oh, Tech for, is yeah, for that? for that. Okay. Excuse me. So, um, yeah, and then he, it turns out he had traveled the world, and he's, he's curious about me. He's like, where are you from? He's like, oh, come on over to my dorm. So he takes me. He was an RA, resident assistant. Yeah. And so I kind of told him a little bit about, you know, how I had come without giving all the details away. He's like, well, you know, you can just stay with me for a couple of days till you figure things out. So here I'm technically he's even not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, living in an RA's room. 
and nice. he starts helping out instead of Tony, this guy Ted, yeah. who became later becomes one of my best friends. Um, yeah, he was Shout my out best to man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was the my best, best man at wedding. my wow. wedding. Yeah, and uh, it starts there. But in the next three days, I go on a major journey. You know, people start hearing, "Hey, here's this crazy guy who came and." He's got everything, but he doesn't have all his money together. So I was thinking, you know, most people go to a community college. So I was thinking I would transfer to a community college. And so I sat down with a number of people. They're like, you know, you could do that. But the problem is the semester is starting now. Right. So how are you going to transfer? You could do that next semester. Right. And you can unenroll as in then you become illegal. There's kind of that legality oh, aspect of visa? it. Yeah, and yeah, all that. Yeah. So it's kind of like a catch-22. So then I thought, well... I tried every angle, you know, I was like, hey, I could work in the cafeteria, I could do this, which I was willing to do. Right. I was like, but I wouldn't make enough to pay the fees, right. you know, compensate, and, and you know, because it's out-of-state tuition, mm, you know. And, out of uh, country tuition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they treat out-of-country as out-of-state, yeah, yeah. in-state, out-of-state. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was like, you know, I could share a room with the guys who live off campus and all that. But even with all that, it would still be really tight yeah. because you have to maintain 12 credits. Whereas, you know, if you go to a community college, you can take 12 credits and or uh, but then you can you can um, the cost is much lower. That's right. the big difference. Yeah. You know? yeah so. Yeah. So I decided, OK, I made a mistake. I made the biggest mistake of my life. I called my parents up. I said I was crying. I was like, you know, I'm so sorry I made this mistake. I'm just coming back home because I still have medical school admission. It's right. about a month out. They yeah. started in September. And my mom's like, are you crazy? You're not coming home. We always knew your dream was to go to America. This episode of Hustle on Purpose is brought to you by Arkansas Real Estate Buyers. If you have a problematic piece of real estate, we would love to help you. Go to the description, click on the link, schedule a free consultation with me personally, and we'll get you set up. Now let's get back to the show. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? She's like, don't worry. Well, Indian women, it's not uncommon. They buy a lot of gold. That's their asset, mm. jewelry. Yeah. So she sold her part of her jewelry and sent me that first semester fee. Wow. Yeah, yeah. transferred it. And, uh, and I started working the cafeteria. I was rooming with two other people. Yeah. And by the time the first semester was over, I was eating ramen noodles, cafeteria meals, whenever I worked, because right. you get a free meal every time you work. Yeah. And I had saved up $1,300. So nice. I'm ready to go to community college. Right. Next semester. But there's another twist to that story. <laughs> so that's, that's how my first semester started. Goodness gracious. But it's, it speaks a, a lot of what we try to talk to people about is like there's almost always a way. Mm. Sometimes it takes having your back up against the wall mm. or like burning the bridges, burning the boats, no sure. way back. Right. Um, but I don't know if, if you feel this way, I, I have a sense that you do, but in hindsight, I look back on those times in my life, some of those most, the most desperate yeah. times. Yeah. And I realize why they had to happen. Right. It's like, um, like I've heard Alex Hermosi say it before. It's like, if you were going to create a person, <laughs> and you wanted to make them resilient or strong, you'd probably put them through some tough things. Yeah. If you wanted to create um, somebody that was patient, mm. like you'd make them wait for mm -hmm. things. Sure. Um, if you wanted to make somebody um, compassionate, caring, mm. you'd have them go through some loss or whatever, sure. right? So right. it's like, it's all 
um, from that perspective of like God is like those those tough times you're back up against the wall ships burned bridges burned right um there there's so much learning and growth that happens yeah. in those times and some confidence that comes yeah. through figuring out like i've been through these tough things i can yeah. make it through this new tough thing that i'm facing now yeah or um realizing there's always a way sometimes it just takes persistence hard yeah. work grit determination whatever um but I hear that story and I'm just like, it should be proof for anyone that's listening Yeah. that if you were given the benefit of being born here yeah. and having connections and whatever here, like what's, what's your excuse? Like <laughs> you came over on a plane with a thousand dollars and like hope, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it. And, uh, so anyways, I just find it super encouraging. So did you, you left tech and went to a community college? No. So there's a plot twist there. Uh, my, I was, you know, Arkansas tech is a great university, but yeah. they didn't have a lot of the wonder scholarships. boys, the wonder boys. Yeah. Go tech, go. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of scholarships for internationals. If they did, they were like a, you know, a thousand dollar, very competitive, you know, handful yeah. of them. And I would hear I was needing something more. Right. Uh, so one day my friend Ted, you know, the godsend, he, from day one, he was always encouraging me something or the other. So now he helped me get stable, but he suggested, he's like, why don't you go apply for this honor scholarship? And I was like, Ted, I looked up their requirement. I don't think international students are allowed to apply. He's like, you know, it never hurts. And I was yeah. like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in the, in the, you know, kind of the beginning of the semester, somewhere in September or something, a month goes by. I was like, okay, I'll go by. And the director of the program, Dr. Jay Jenkins was her name. I went into the office, the Witherspoon building, and I, I said, hey, Dr. Jenkins, I'm here to inquire about the honor scholarship, if, if it's okay for me to apply. She's like, well, you know, we've had a number of international students inquire, but never, none of them ever turned in the application. I'm like, they didn't turn in the application. If you know anything about me, I'm going to turn in yeah, my application, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And thankfully, I had those good scores. So I, one of the requirements was those scores, then Grades. write an essay. Mm. Uh, and one of the topics was, you know, a journey you've taken or something. So I wrote my Coming to America yeah. abbreviated version, right. took out that little bit of the yeah. bad spot. My story would have been like, Traveled from Little Rock, <laughs> sixty miles to Russellville, and here I am. Right, <laughs> and right. Canal story of like, yeah. Yeah. I was born in India, right. went to Ghana, right. And now I'm in Russellville, Arkansas. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I I wrote that and I turned it in, and a, a couple of weeks go by. She calls me. She said, "Hey, we would like you to come in for an interview or something like that. You know, yeah. they have an oral interview." Sure. So I go and do the interview. She's like, hey, we'll get back to you. So a week goes by. She calls. She says, come to my office. I come in the office. I'm like, okay. She's like, you know, Mr. Cartry. That's how she spoke to me. Mr. Cartry, you know, you're the first international student we're ever going to give an honor scholarship. And wow. it's a full scholarship. You get room, board, tuition, everything paid for. And you get a $500 stipend for books. Wow. So here I was, I had saved up $1,300 to go to community yeah. college. Now next semester, I'm going to move to the dorms. All everything's paid, paid Everything's paid for. Wow. Yeah. I had a $500 stipend for textbooks. Wow. And so that was the twist. And so I never left tech. I, I finished my degree. And there. you became religious on that day. <laughs> like, God is good. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't that day. It still got to work on me a yeah. lot more. Yeah. But definitely, uh, when I call my parents, they're like, see, we tell you something and work out. And yeah. Ted, of course, thanks to him and several other people, yeah. uh, you know, who were helping wow. me along the way, you know. That's amazing. So, okay, so you get the scholarship, huge yeah. weight off the shoulders, ah. like everything's good. Everything's uh, did good. you keep your cafeteria job or that got kicked to the curb? No, I switched to the library. Okay. I, I yeah. try to up it up a notch. There you go. So I could spend more time studying. And yeah. then, because now I have the meal plan, so I don't need the free meals. There you go. I mean, it right. comes with the meal plan. Yeah. And then I was like, well, let me do, take a job because now I'm in the honors program. I got to study more. Right. So let me take a job that I can still make some extra income, right. but work uh, maybe as less as possible. And in this library job, it, was, it wasn't really difficult. You had to kind of watch if somebody came up and the printer wasn't working you go help them but anytime everything was working well in the library yeah. then you can just do homework Studying or whatever yeah exactly yeah so i i shifted to the library job nice okay so then you graduate from tech mm -hmm. with a bachelor's yeah in electrical engineering in electrical engineering yeah. okay yeah then what yeah, then I went and applied, and I got a, a position at uh, Harrison Train uh, here in Little Rock yep. on Canis and 12th, and I was a sales engineer. Uh, a sales engineer? Yeah, inside sales, basically. Okay. So the outside sales guys would go talk to customers and all build a relationship there, but the inside sales would take, uh, you know, do proposals, they'll take do takeoffs, uh, you know, create submittals, you know, so they're right. kind of like a middleman between the outside and the inside. But you need to be an engineer to enough, understand. yeah. Just understand. you'll, you'll right. even those things. I didn't know enough about HVAC variety right. of you know uh, chillers and heat pumps. You still have, you, yeah. you need to have learn you know technical. It's technical knowledge that you would pick up, but you need yeah. to know. Okay, here's a three ton. Here's right. this. Here's the heat exchanger. Blah blah blah. Right. You you pick it up. They'll help you. Because when I, I hear sales, mentors. I think outside sales. Right. And I'm like those guys. Yeah. Are not engineers. yeah. Interesting title. <laughs> yeah. They call it inside sales engineer. But okay. it's kind of like a bridge between the outside and the internal world. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just never met a sales engineer before. It's yeah. like pretty cool. Yeah. Because it makes total sense because most engineers are not great at sales. sales. Yeah. And most sales guys probably wouldn't make great yeah. engineers. Like yeah. So you're like a, you're like a mix of both. You're like a, a personable a engineer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Cause engineers get a bad name. For they do. Yeah. Overly technical can relate to people. Yeah. Yeah. And they, a lot of times these sales engineers, whether outside or in the keys, you need to be good at both. Right. So you need to be able to interpret technical knowledge in very simple terms. You know, you say, Hey, I want to buy a chiller. Like yeah. Me. Yeah. I want to buy a chiller. It's like, okay, what do I need? Okay. Yeah. Without going to, well, it's 300 gallons per centimeter square and all this which you could care less about. Lost me. Yeah. 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 Does yeah. this work for my room? Yes. No. Let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Um, I know a, a couple of engineers and yeah, some of, some of them can be, it's engineers. I think typically it's, you're interested in things more than people. Right. Right. And yeah. Sure. Technical it makes total, knowledge. It makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah. the more nerdy they are. <laughs> so you took that job yeah straight out of college straight out of college nice okay yeah. and you learned more about hvac than yeah you could ever probably hope to know yeah it wasn't too long because they applied for what they call a work visa for me okay. i had a, oh because you still don't have yeah i'm still so i was legal as a they call it a student visa right 
I finished my student visa, and then they give you a one year of OPT, which they call opti- something practical training. It's basically a one year grace period that you're allowed to work, right. and that that company will then uh, apply for you through an attorney, uh, immigration attorney, a three year work visa. Okay. They call it an H 1B visa. And they did. The company was willing. H-1B. They knew that. That sounds like a like a virus or something. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those H one N. Wasn't that yeah. a virus or something? Yeah, yeah. I, don't I know. forgot about that. Yeah, it sounds like a, not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So you worked there, and they were applying. They applied for the. They discipline? did. Yeah, they were okay. kind enough. They they hired me knowing I would need that. Right. You know, and they did, and they paid for it and stuff like that. But then what happened that year? There was double the number of applications than visas allotted. Is that normal? Do you know? Not as frequent. There's always a little bit higher uh, applicant pool. Yeah. But that particular year, the year 06, it was double. So the USCIS has only so many they're going to give. Yeah. And they came up with this system. They call it a random generated lottery system. Without looking at your application, they pump it through the lottery system. If you get out, you're denied outright without looking at your application. So it's not merit-based at all? In that moment, it wasn't to oh. to create the pool of what they were going to look at versus what they were not going to look at. Oh, it is merit based, but in that because they had double, so many, they yeah. had so many, so they had to have, find a way to eliminate some of them. And it was a generator, computer generated system, and mine got knocked out. So I get the sad news that even though I, I was a decent employee and everything yeah. was going well, suddenly my status is about to go south. Okay, so. I, I think I disagree with all of that. It sounds like, so were they just understaffed and they're just like, we can't possibly review all the applicants and base them all on merit. So we're just going to use this random generator to eliminate some of the applicants and then base the ones that we do review on merit. It just seems. Yeah. Well, there's still the, the, a little bit in their defense, they have double the number of applicants. So yeah, the, they just, Yeah. So I guess I just hear about them hiring like yeah. triple the IRS agents. And I'm like, <laughs> let's get some people at this division over here. Yeah. 87,000 they hired recently. Yeah. It's wild. Um, okay. So they kick yours out. So what, what do you do? So I had like a window and I either got to change my status, do something or go home. And so what do you do? <laughs> oh yeah. So then I was like, okay, well then I got a job offer from train in okay. England. The train, England, Arkansas? England, England. England, England. UK. Okay. Yeah. And so I was frantic. I was looking around. I was applying all over the world with my limited experience. I'm like, you know, still very limited. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, there was a similar role in Train, which is an international company. Yeah. Harrison Train was a kind of franchise version here. But right. Train itself it was international. And I got offered a position and I took it. And they had to apply for a visa for me, the UK, a working so, visa. Right. And in the meantime, I thought, well, let me do something to kind of just in case. So I said, I could change, I could go back and be a student. So I applied for my master's with my previous university. They were just starting a master's engineering okay. program. Yeah. And I was going to, if, if I got accepted, I was going to be the first master's engineering student. So I'd be sort of the guinea pig of yeah. it too. 
And so and I they'd did. probably love to have you because you've already been there on the honors scholarship. and Yeah, possibly. But for me, I was like, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> you know, same problem. Yeah. You know, same problem came back in a different way. Yeah. And uh, so I'm all excited through the summer. Thankfully, I'd met some amazing people. I was staying with them uh, in Russellville. I moved back to Russellville for the summer. And uh, and then I everything's, I'm going to England, UK. I'm going, you know. I'm yeah. like, yeah, man. Okay, I guess, you know, wherever the wind blows. And then I find out that my visa got denied there. So then I have like two weeks remaining and I have to leave the country. Otherwise, I'll be illegal in this country. Oh, no. Yikes. <laughs> and it's right before school starts? Yeah, it was two weeks. Well, my two weeks was based on my, they have a grace period after your your last work permit expired or the temporary one you had. Right. So my window was coming up. Thankfully, it had been accepted for the master's. Okay. So you can get a student visa. Yeah, I could. you have to pay for school. Yeah, uh, we're back at square one in a different way, aren't mm. we? <laughs> so what do you do? So I was, in that case, that was definitely a God moment. I was just, you know, I had, I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to see, you know, if God wants me still yeah. in the U.S., then he's going to make a way. Otherwise, my time's somewhere. up. You know, yeah. My time's up. I got to be okay with it. I got yeah. I, I to gotta be okay with it. As painful as it is, because I love America. Yeah. And uh, love the people, love everything about the environment and opportunity and everything. So, yeah. So, two weeks in, I'm at my church in Russellville. And uh, a, a, a guy walks up to me. He's like, hey, you know, God told me to give you a message. I was like, sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> And uh, he's like, I'll meet you. At that time, I was house-sitting someone's dog. And so he comes over. He's like, you know, it's just a simple message. I could have told you at the church. He said, God just told me to tell you that he's not done with you in America. And then he just walks away. And I'm like, okay. Okay. (laughs) And then uh, I was like, well, did he tell you anything? Like, I have two weeks left. Right, yeah. (laughs) I have two weeks left. Yeah. What's going to happen? What's the plan? How am I going to make this work? Yeah. And, uh... And so the the cool part of the God story there was that I was part of our men's group would meet on a Wednesday morning, you know, mm-hmm. and we used to go to one of this elders house up on Skyline in Russellville. Yeah. And uh, so I was sitting there when one of the Wednesdays, this is approaching that two week window. I didn't say anything. I had a little bit of credit card payments I needed to make, so I didn't even have money to pay that. Mm-hmm. And I had even gotten a, a ticket, which wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. And I went and did community service, side story there. But that's how bad it was, you know, because I, right. I had run yeah. dry now. Yeah. And uh, so um, so I, they, they start passing this around. They're taking our money. They're like, the elder comes up and he's like, this is for you. It was the exact money to make all my minimum payments for the card. Wow. I'm thinking, this is crazy. And I this look up crazy. and I'm like, God's still here. But, well, now that you solve this problem, are you going to solve the big one still? I'm yeah. still freaking out here. Right. I'm, I'm aware you're there, but I'm freaking out, you know. Yeah. And um, that next Sunday, uh, the guy who came and gave me the message, he, he comes back to me. He's like, you know what? You're going to laugh at this. But my wife had a dream and she saw you coming to live with us in our home. And we're going to open up a home for you and we're going to pay for your master's. And I thought, this guy is either totally crazy. Yeah. I mean, because this one is, it's, it, it doesn't, there's no gray area here. Why would you meet a random stranger? I've never met him before. I barely knew him that two weeks ago when he delivered yeah. the message. They had just moved into town, you know. And, 
And next, you know, his wife's kissing. I'm like, either she really heard from God or she's cuckoo. So it's, there's no middle ground. Because why would you pay? It's one of the two. Yeah, yeah. there's no middle <laughs> yeah. ground here. You know, it's right. not like you're giving somebody 50 bucks. You know, go play right. 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, and go pay your fees. And uh, so then and I... did. And they did. And next wow. thing I know, I was just following God. And next thing you know, they, they signed a letter that they were going to take over my financial responsibility. And the story is the first semester what I get in, to the masters i'm kind of a little kicking and screaming because i wasn't excited about it i'm like god i don't know it's if just I keeping do it. you in the country yeah i was like this is kind of a boring i know you gave so many signals that i'm supposed to be here but can you give me one more fleece i put one more fleece before i'm yeah. like gideon and i said if you <sighs> give me a scholarship then i'll know and i'll change my attitude well the second semester kind of like deja vu in yeah. bachelors right. i got a full scholarship Wow. And I had a graduate assistantship is what they call. And, uh, and, I and you're like, like okay. okay. <laughs> I really got to change my bad attitude. And so wow. I, I, that's how the masters began. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh. oh, my goodness. Okay, so you get your master's. You're in the first master's engineering program yeah. from Arkansas, Arkansas Tech. Tech. Yeah. Wow. And it scholarship and everything and um so did you did you stay living with the couple from church yeah yeah they they took care of me though the so the the Still graduate ascension, oh yeah yeah they yeah. were at my wedding they they've been amazing to you know wow. they send gifts for my uh for our daughter consider their That's granddaughter amazing. as well so your whole wedding party is just like all these people. All these amazing like, people who have yeah. helped me along the way. Right. Yeah. That's so you know? cool. Yeah. All these people who are like, oh, this guy needs help. Move him. This guy needs a little more help. Let's bump him here. Yeah. I've been bumped through different people and all amazing people. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, where does where does your wife come into the story? Oh, yeah. She comes way down the line. Oh, okay. Yeah. she's. She, so we don't have to year, skip to that part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can crisscross if you want. Uh, well, your she, wife's gonna watch this, so we gotta. Oh we yeah, gotta, you know we yeah. gotta bring her up. So <laughs> yeah, she's she's another definitely God story. But I had to wait for her. Speaking of waiting, my middle name could be Kunal Wait Katri, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's kind of sort of the story of my life. You, you probably pay, prayed for patience at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I need to go back about, and read my journal. That's what they tell you about. Don't, don't pray for patience because <laughs> you'll get all the lessons. You'll get all the there's experiences only, yeah, around it. Yeah, there's only one way to get it. Yeah. Yeah, that the year, so my undergrad was 02 to 06. My okay. master's was 07 to 09. Okay. And then when I graduated, um, I was. And going, what do you graduate with? You it's master's another engineering in... degree, but this was a little more general. It had a little bit of electrical, mechanical, and nuclear, because it was a new program. So yeah. they were sort of. I was the guinea pig. They were forming it sort of as I go. Yeah, you good. Yeah. So, I, but I did the... some business classes. I did IT. I did a little bit of everything. I did database. Wow. I was I was rubbing shoulders with the IT guys. Yeah. You know, networking as in. Computer networking, right? <laughs> not, yeah. not business networking, <laughs> yeah. not social networking. <laughs> no, um, yeah. Oh, that's intense. That sounds awful. Like yeah. to me, that's just like yeah, makes my I, hair I, on the back of my neck. Even though I knew it was like, all God, it was torturous in many ways because it was rough. a lot of studying it and I was not rough. excited yeah. about it. Um, okay, so that was '09. You graduated. Uh, then what? Yeah. So then I started. I was like, oh, lessons learned from undergrad. That whole summer, I had a, one extra course that. Do you was have going. to get another visa now because schools? Yeah, yeah. You so now I'm back. And, I'm back on yeah. the. I gotta get legal again, so I gotta switch from 
you know, uh, school status, you know, um, student, visa, uh, student visa, thank yeah. you, to work, work visa, H1B, yeah. back to H1B, <laughs> yeah. the virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so thankfully I was going around this time, before I graduated, I was doing the job first, I was doing the circuit. You know, I was applying left and right. Yeah. You know, I read a book called Knock well, this Them is, Dead. This is 09. Yeah, this so is 09. Like the oh, market, job, yeah. Job market's not yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was going everywhere, you know, Dallas, everywhere. And mm -hmm. I went to a, a job fair in Fayetteville. At that time, yeah. the universities, I think, would allow from other universities to come. So I went there, and I was handing out my resume in a folder with, you know, um, what do you call it? Recommendations from my previous job. So yeah, that came in handy. The guys I had worked with that train wrote me three recommendations, three different people. And I was carrying them around like a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. That was all I had. Yeah. And I turned it everywhere. And then uh, while I was finishing up my master's that summer, I got a call and said, hey, we'd love to come by an interview at the campus. So I had a campus interview. And it was a paper mill out in uh, Pine Bluff, IP. Oh. Uh, I, I smell it. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go through there. Yeah. And I had no idea what an industrial paper mill was, except as a, here's an interview. Yeah. Because I was thinking, oh, I'll go to Dallas or Memphis or something similar to what I did. HVAC, right. yeah. carrier, train, those kind of groups of people. Mm -hmm. And I was interviewing for them, too. So, so I was like, but it never hurts to do an interview because you always gain experience. And right? you need your visa. And you need your visa. So I interviewed. Then after that first interview, they had they had me on an on-campus interview where they it was an all-day thing. I had like four people interviewing me back-to-back -back an hour, an hour. Wow. And then I had to give a presentation, and then you get a tour of the mill. So it was a whole-day experience. And my host parents, the family I stayed with, they gave me their nice Buick and I drove it yeah. from Little Rock to Pine Bluff and back. Right. And in between, I had some interviews in Memphis. They let me use their car. Amazing people. Shout yeah. out to Clay and Tess. Clay and Tess. Anthony, yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, so they, so I get back. And next thing I know, I got a job offer from the paper mill. Yeah. And I'm thinking, whoa, it's a really good offer. Yeah. And they're willing to sponsor my visa. Let's do it. Now, I did know the one advantage is that when you get a master's, you get put into a different H-1B category. So they have a little more visas there and not as okay. many people apply from the master's category. Right. So your chances are higher. So thankfully, when this time the lawyers applied, I got it. Nice. And so then I was there. I ended up being at the paper mill almost 13 years because... My boss, who hired me, super nice guy, he um, he agreed to sponsor my green card. But that green card process kept me there for almost 13 years, and I had to keep renewing my H-1. So because he sponsors it, you can keep it longer? Yeah, so the H-1B, you're allowed to have two, and then there's an automatic extension if your green card is in process. Okay. They don't, in that case, they don't just kick you out. Thank you. Right. Me. Okay. So, so I had, I had exhausted my six years of two H-1Bs after the master's, but right. between in that time, thankfully my green card process had started. And so there's like, okay, now it's on us sort of, you know, we're the gotcha. ones, we're the ones delaying you. Holding it up. Yeah. Holding it up okay. due to whatever reasons. Okay. Um, so 13 years at the paper mill and on a visa this whole time because they yeah. just hadn't started your green card process. Yeah, it's on paper it started. It has three three main facets. I was in stage two forever. Ah, for like a 
for like a long time. Yeah, almost a decade I was yeah. on stage. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and yeah. I, so yeah, I started January. We have some flaws in our immigration system. Yeah, I January think. 2010. In fact, the joke was my colleagues, they like, you know, these, um, <laughs> the time the war was going on in Syria. Yeah. And they were, you know, there was a lot of immigrants being accepted yeah. due to the war-torn zone. So I would gotten to know several of the guys personally. And so they would joke, they, you know, paper mill guys are a little rusty and crusty. They don't mind messing with you. So they're like, the guy who was my mentor the first time he saw me, he's like, who hired this terrorist? You know, that's how he would talk. Wow. But they would tell you the old school guys, if they really like you, that means they're really messing with you. Or if right. they're really messing with you, sorry, they really like you. Right. Which I didn't get at the yeah. first time. And he's yeah. like, you know, the reason he's really, you know, right. pushing your buttons because he likes you. Right. And he wants to see how much you thick yeah. skin you got, you know, or can it's you develop true. one? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like the the girl on the playground, the girls on the playground only hit the yeah. guys that they like. Right. You know? Right. Like, exactly. The opposite of uh, what is it? The opposite of love is apathy. It's right. Like not caring. Right. You know? It's like. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I find that I'm that way. It's like if. If I mess with people, it's because yeah. I'm comfortable with them and I yeah. like them. I mess with Aaron all the time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I make Aaron sit on the floor. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. He yeah. chose to sit on the floor, by the way. Yeah, we did offer him a seat. We have 40 chairs in here. They just all squeak. So yeah. he chose to sit on the floor because he's that dedicated to the audio stream sounding. He's all point. about quality. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Aaron. Yeah. Any nobody can see Aaron sitting on the floor. We'll have to cut to you sitting on the floor. It had to turn the, the camera levels. really well. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways. Yeah. So the joke was that hey, you wanna you wanna pretend like you're leaving the country, jump on the boat that's coming from Syria, and you'll get a free green card just immediately. So they would right. tease me about it all the time. Yeah, my colleagues, just, they're like, you just why? Came why from Syria? You just yeah. Why not do that, bro? You're just kind of sitting here on the wait list might as well just do that yeah so it was a running joke it is it's i i can't um like i've said before when it comes to immigration stuff so i don't have any better ideas of how to do it so i'll try to keep my complaints to a minimum <laughs> you know what i mean because it's like sure it's not like i could take it over and do any better yeah. it's just frustrating hearing your story and stories similar to this it's like how can we not like yeah get get this together We've got yeah. smarter people than me working on this, surely. Right. Seems like we could uh, refine these systems and processes a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Just to... Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of good people trying to get in the right way. Right. And like, yeah, just hearing like people getting thrown in a random generator to see who's <laughs> like, whose application gets looked at and whose doesn't. It's just like, really? Like, yeah. But anyways. Um Okay, so 13 years at the paper mill, yeah. and um, what then what? Yeah, so the, so I was there from uh, January 2010 okay. all the way through August of... Oh, so like recently. 2022, yeah. So oh, okay. approaching 13, you know, 12 yeah. and 8 months, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, and then my wife, you were asking when does she come in yeah. the picture. Yeah, so the joke... The joke was on the immigration, back on the immigration, will I get yeah. it faster through my wife or through my work? And the way the story goes is I met my wife in 2020 at the height of COVID. Okay. And uh, backstory to that is we would Was run... she in Pine Bluff? 
No, she was no, in Little Rock. She's in Little Rock. She's okay. from Little Rock. Okay. Um, she's lived all over the world. Her parents uh, had been to Michigan, Indiana, Romania, oh, wow. and different parts of the world. I know a few words in Romanian. Okay. Yeah. I know none. <laughs> yeah. I have one friend that's Romanian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So no, like Chefach is like, how are you? Oh, Chefach. Yeah. Okay. Chefach. I may have to try to impress. BNA is good. That's about all I know. BNA. Uh, BNA. Bine. Yeah. Oh, that's easy. So if somebody say. says, Chefach, you go, Bine, Chefach. Oh, okay. You're like, Bine. That. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how are you? Good. Yeah. How are you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got. Exactly. Anyways. No, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I know sandwich. Sandwich. San- oh, that should be easy. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. That's Now that's all I know. That's like my French. I know a few statements, you know. Bonjour. Tu parles français? Uh, Just probably, fatigue, yeah. which means I'm tired. I did Italian. You said French, and I said bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, foreign languages are not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. You're a true American. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just an ignorant American. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So who did help you get your green card more, your wife or your work? Yeah. So there's another race there, uh, if yeah. you want to hear that story. Yeah. So she, I meet her... In 2018 and 2019, ran into her at events and conferences. And the joke is we were conference acquaintances, right? Mm, yeah. See each other, say hi from far, never really talked. And I sent her a Facebook friend request and uh, she accepted, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but so then you could slide in her DMs. It's not in her DMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I never sent her a DM. I was a little nervous. Yeah. And I just watched her feet. And next thing I know, she's moving to Virginia. Virginia Beach, she was going to Regent to do her master's. Yeah, okay. you know, this was in 2019 or 18. So I thought, well, you know, nothing's going to work out, whatever. Then COVID hit in March 2020. So then, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. And then I see in the summer of 2020, uh, update, you know, people's Facebook feed, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't stalking. It's was just right there. It just yeah. popped up. It yeah. just popped up. Right. Moving back to... Little Rock. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, great. Hey, hey. But there's no events, so how am I going to see her, right? Because right. it's COVID, mm. right? So my church did the first mini conference in 2020, November of 2020. And one of my pastors, she's like, hey, I want you to help greet. And I was like, yeah. okay, sure. You know? So I was at the front helping people were coming in, and I would say, hey, you know, welcome, you know, be free, worship your heart out, walk them in. And then in walks Melissa. I hadn't seen her over a year and a half. And yeah. you got to remember, I've never really spoken to her. Right. So in Waiting reality, we don't know anything. Yeah, right. right. We but don't know Facebook each other. friend. She's, yeah. she's seen your yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. but hers. it's been a year and a half, you know, yeah. and just, you know, yeah. and she's gorgeous. So she's probably got hundreds of friend requests. She's not going to keep up with yeah, them. Yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I just, it just blurts out of my mouth. I was like, hey, Melissa, I just came out. Yeah. And she's like. Um, excuse me, do I know your brother? <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing that came yeah. out of her mouth. I was like, oh, brother was not the category I was going for. <laughs> was really not hoping for brother. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I had to also come out of the creep zone real fast because if she's not remembering, I got to help jog her memory that we were actually conference acquaintances. Right. So thankfully there yeah. was one worship set that her dad and her and her mom had done at the Marriott downtown. Okay. So when I said those things, it kind of like made her think, okay, this guy's somewhat legit. Right. So as I'm walking her to into the main sanctuary, uh, worship auditorium, a question popped in her head. She's like, where's the restroom? I was like, it's 
like, I know this church, like the back of my I have hand. this answer. Yeah. I have this I'm answer. Your guy. I'm your guy, but I'm not taking you to the nearest restroom and I'm not <laughs> taking you to the farthest restroom. So I took her like a midway further away so I could have some more time with her. Yeah. Okay. And of course, then I left her and then it wasn't a creep or anything like yeah. that. And then two You're weeks. just waiting outside the restroom to walk her back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't do it. Yeah. I went back. I was helping with sound or something. So yeah. I went back to the sound booth and. Two weeks later, I asked her out on Facebook because that's the only info I had. Yeah. And uh, she's like, are you that guy who took me to the restroom? It's like, nailed it. Sure Now am. she remembered. Yeah. And the rest is history. Wow. That's how it started. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And we can come to the immigration part, but yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, we dated from that November, end of November, Thanksgiving I'd asked her out on a Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we dated through, we were engaged March of 21, March 6th, and had a secret proposal, surprise proposal at uh, Old Mill. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then we were married uh, July of 21 when the that second round of COVID was sort yeah. of hit. What was it? One called? of the variants. Yeah. One of the Delta. Variants. Or Delta. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Wow. And uh, we were able to slip out to Hawaii for our honeymoon because uh, nice. you didn't was, get quarantined. Was, yeah, no, no, no. Hawaii. Thankfully, it was just coming up, so we made it in the, in the nick yeah. of time. After our honeymoon was over, they shut down Hawaii partially again or whatever. Wow, snuck it in there. Snuck it in there, man. And then had a had a daughter. I had a daughter. Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, our yeah. honeymoon baby. Honeymoon. Oh, so it was yeah. nine months later. Nine months later. Esther wow. was born 7 p.m., seven days early at seven pounds, three sevens. So many sevens. Yeah. Wow. She's a prophetic baby. Yeah, that's amazing. Goodness. Wow, there's so many things that had to work out for you to be here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And be the, be the person you are today. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And the joke is that once I married my wife, before we got married, we went to the immigration attorney. And, you know, once mm. you're married to a U.S. citizen, they can also apply for you. Right. So here's my green card sitting there from, you know, over a decade. Yeah. And it's like dormant. It went to sleep, you know, in a right. coma or it's something. Lo- it's yeah. just in a crack somewhere. Yeah. Nobody and we're even like, will it is. ever rise again? Right. Yeah. And that was somewhere in, before we got married, June of 2021. And so we started the process and right before we married, then after we got married, we could officially start because you have a marriage certificate. So we started mm-hmm. an amazing local lawyer here and uh, he's like, oh yeah, this should be easy. <laughs> well, what's funny is after we came back and somewhere in March of 22, I got a, I got a letter from my immigration attorney through work saying, which I was still commu- now I was commuting to Pine Bluff, uh, every day because I had moved back to Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, you, your your green card woke up. You might get some things soon. I was like, okay. So then they sent me a request for fingerprints. This is through my work. A day later, I get a request for fingerprints through Melissa's green card. So now you got these parallel tracks. Yeah, and it's a race. And, and the it's race, a race is on. The race is on. And so I was saying, oh, God. If I get it through my wife, she's never going to let it down. <laughs> Hold it over your head forever. Uh, which my wife is nothing like that. She's the kindest, yeah. sweetest person. Right. But I had to, you know, just. I would probably turn in the wife's fingerprints like 
a week later. Yeah, you're right. Just give right. the work one just a little. Yeah, well, there was a one week gap, so we go oh, to okay. Memphis. Yeah, yeah. But the lady was so nice. I was like, "Do I have to come back in a week to do the other one?" She's like, "Just do it together. I'll do it both oh, for you." Thank so you. She's, yeah. yeah thank so you. one positive. Shout job. out to that lady. Yeah, shout thank out to you. that lady. So I submitted both fingerprints. Perfect. So now it was somewhere in April or something, and then I'm still waiting, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, then we get a letter saying, "Okay." Melissa and your application, they're calling you for an interview. Whenever you marry your citizen, they have to do it. They want to see if it's a legit marriage. You know, yeah, I've heard it. some of like the questions. Like, like yeah. They'll ask your wife like what color your toothbrush is. Because <laughs> like, they want to like make sure you're living together. <laughs> sure. Right? And like, yeah. I've heard some. And like, they watch you. They really, really do. Yeah, yeah. They keep Because that, the green card you would get through your spouse or your wife is only given for two years. But if you get it for work, you get it for 10 years. That makes and sense. And then after two years, like, yeah, they want to see, are you still legit? Then they give you the longer one. Okay. You know, because sadly, some people do marry yeah. for that reason. Yeah. You know, an agreement or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm uh, after the fingerprinting and all, and uh, we get this letter saying, okay, our interview is June something of 2022. So, so in the meantime, I was, for my work, I had gone to a conference. Um, was it Lake Greer? Chris Ferry. Chris Ferry, thank yeah. you. That conference center there. Yeah, yeah. I was at an engineering conference, and uh, it was the reason I remember it was Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. Yep. I get a letter from my attorney at work. He said, Your green card was approved. I'm like, What? Which one? The work one. The work. And I'm thinking, Wait, I'm still yet to go to my interview for my wife in yeah. June. And he's like, It's approved. So we go to my lawyer through my wife with my wife, and he's like, We just have to basically cancel our application take it back and he's like this is better than the one through your wife because you of that two years. year yeah this is 10 year yeah and so we saw who won that race so now <laughs> you get to hold it over your wife like, <laughs> you don't have that power over me right well more like Work well does. she's more like why didn't you should have gotten this earlier what's keeping you so long bro <laughs> yeah well it, it wasn't your fault it doesn't sound like <laughs> right so man okay so you're good for another nine years, eight years? Yeah, yeah. And then if you have that green card and you maintain it, like I've already had it a little over a year, and then two more years I can apply for citizenship. So you have to, oh, okay. in three years you can apply for citizenship nice. of holding the green card. Yeah. But some people like to just be a resident. They don't want to give up their citizenship. Oh, you can't yeah. be dual Ghana and U.S.? Some countries allow that, some don't. Right. My birth country is India, so my citizenship is India. Right. So I would, in, in India's case, you have to give it up. You, really? Yeah. Yeah. Every country is slightly different with their yeah. rules. So what are, are you going to go for U.S. citizenship? Yeah, I was born for the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, love I that. may have journeyed around to get here, but. Yeah. This is my home. Red, white, and blue. That's right. Bleed the red, white, and blue. That's, That's awesome. Right. Um, okay. So what are you up to now? So I met you. Yeah. Through uh, a real estate meetup type thing. Yeah. So um, I like to try to go to those things because I meet interesting people like you every yeah. now and then where it's yeah. like, um, and I encourage other people that are either real estate investors or people that want to get into it to go to things like that because um, A, you meet awesome people mm-hmm. with a wealth of knowledge, especially if you don't know that much about real estate investing. I think... I think a lot of people are apprehensive to go to something like that because they feel like 
everybody's just going to recognize them immediately as like the rookie yeah. in the room. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be like, Oh, don't talk to so-and-so cause right. they don't know anything. And, right. um, I've never had that experience going sure. from meetups when I knew very little to meetups now where I know some more, sure. but even, even being through thousands of transactions, there's still stuff that I learn all the time at those real estate meetups. And, um, I'm always happy to go there and to try and be of service and knowledge or, uh, you know, connections to anybody that I can, because I usually get something right back out of it as well. So, um, all that to say, I usually encourage anybody to join your local real estate investment group. Um, join them on Facebook, go meet them in person. Mm. Um, because it's, it's generally just a lot of people that are trying to get into real estate to benefit themselves or their family or their business or their community, um, a side hustle or whatever. Right. Um, cause everybody knows a lot of the general benefits. Right. Um, but a lot of people don't know how to get plugged in. So I think those meetups are a great way yeah. to do that. Absolutely. What was your experience? Do you go to a lot of the local meetups or? Yeah, I'm part of the, you know, Randy's group, Randy Thomas. Yeah. You know, Arcrea. Arcrea, yeah. Yeah, I go to it. I met a ton of great people. I met Tara. Yeah. And then through Tara, I met you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tara's um, been on the podcast. Go check out uh, Tara Helgestad's episode. She's amazing. She is. She's great. She's a killer. Yeah. She's like, she comes off as all like dainty and sweet. <laughs> I'm going to say this just to see if she actually watches this. Yeah. But she's a killer. Yeah. My she? wife and I, we got to meet her in a different setting because we, we, my wife and I, we try to do Friday night as a date night, you know, yeah. if we can do Friday, we try to do Saturday due to sitter, yeah. sitter availability. Yeah. And one night we were at that Brazilian restaurant yeah, on Kavanaugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so I always forget the name. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I'm not going to remember it, yeah. but I, I know what you're... Yeah, the yellow banner outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we were sitting there, and then out is coming Tara and her husband. They yeah. just come back from their vacation or something. Yeah, her daughter used to work there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. what's cool is my wife, she's a massage therapist. Oh, okay. She, she got to know the owners next week. They came for a massage from her. Cool. They're like, why haven't we gotten one of these before? You know, because there's this very high pressure environment. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, my wife got to meet her and her yeah. husband really sweet yeah awesome unplanned yeah but yeah little rock's such a small town but uh, you know i think any any town can have that small town vibe if you get out and get to the more people the more you explore the city you live in the smaller it feels right you start realizing like oh i just met this person but they know this other person that i know and you start realizing how interconnected everybody is. It's like that six degrees of separation. Yes. Kind of. It's like, we're all. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you seen the one with Kevin Bacon? It's like any, well, you know what I'm talking about, Aaron. It's like any actor is only like three steps away from Kevin Bacon in like stuff they've acted in. Yeah. Degrees of separation. Yeah. But concept. like first, like somebody came, like did all the research on like Kevin Bacon specifically. It's like, it's like every actor on IMDb, is only like three de- three degrees away from okay. acting with Kevin Bacon. I got you. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Like so it's a, a super to tangent, that principle. Yeah, yeah. That uh, in that small town, everybody's yeah three degrees away. Right. 
So we met through you and that, um, that real estate meetup through Tara. Um, and we got to talking because you're relatively new on your real estate journey. Yes. And that's part of why I wanted to have you on here today is just because, um, what I had, one of the things that I admire about you is the fear of starting and the fear of the unknown often keeps people uh, there's a, there's a large chasm between zero and one, sure. right? Yeah. So you've, you've crossed that chasm partially. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think it's encouraging the whole story and all the background that you were willing to share with us Yeah, plays into how awesome it is, um, to now be not only with your career and your family and all of that, but now, also, one of the things is real estate. Yeah. And how do you start kind of building that as a um, as a platform for future provision for your family? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, you've you've crossed that chasm and you now mm-hmm. have more than zero. Right. So yeah. and looking to grow that more. Right. So tell us a little bit about a little bit about that. What's your just the the high level what's your real estate experience so far yeah sure so so far i have you know um i did sort of a semi house hack yeah my wife and i we we bought a property that uh her parents were living in and they moved and they offered to sell it to any of their kids they rented for a while we rented for a while mm-hmm. and they're like we consider why shouldn't we buy it you know it's in a great location of course, being in a great location by a golf course and everything is kind of steep a little bit, mm-hmm. even with the family discount. So we agreed, my wife and I, that there's a it's a big house, but we can section off. It's already in a great way that the guest room downstairs and bathroom yeah. is in the corner of the house. It has a back entry Own through entrance, the laundry yeah. room. Walkout so, basement situation. Exactly, yeah. So we sectioned it off, agreed that we would Airbnb it, and last in June, I made thirteen hundred to offset the mortgage. So somebody somebody told me when I told them, they're like, "You're kind of doing a house hack." Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, I didn't think about it that way." But yeah, just without a without a long term tenant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've had some opportunities where some nurses want to rent it longer and stuff like yeah. that. In fact, I'm showing one here in a few hours to one of them. But. Um, so I did that. Then I started one one of our cars. We put it on tour. So I was taking all the classic Robert Kiyosaki liabilities, and I was like, I got to turn them into assets, even if it's partial assets. Mm-hmm. So every time one of my Subarus goes on tour, like one month, I made a thousand dollars in January, and so I paid off the the car payment, right? And I still had surplus. So yeah. classic liability, which it is, right? In, in def- it's a depreciating yeah, asset. Yeah, it, I was able to get money out of it, and then yeah. I uh, so I formed my S corp, I formed a Wyoming LLC, and as we speak, I'm forming my state LLCs. I'm part of a sub two group, base mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping to go to the mastermind next month. I've started uh, putting some offers out to get some creative deals. So while you're there, ask yeah. him uh, if he wants to come be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. Pace is a great guy. Pace Morby. If you're watching, <laughs> we want you. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I think he's great. And we, we talked a little bit about, so for those, for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about. So yeah. sub two is like, um, he's talking about subject to financing. 
Um, cause subject to can be used like subject to inspection, sure. stuff like that on offers, but we're specifically talking about subject to financing. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to hear that you're going to that mastermind. I may try to join you because I think that sub two movement has gained a lot of steam. Yeah. And I think that information that they'll give you there teaching you how to leverage that subject to financing, uh, is going to open up a lot of doors for yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, we'll give people the basic rundown for those of you that don't know. So it's, it's buying a property, um, subject to assuming the existing owners already existing financing. Correct. Um, so in this market that we're in now and, and going into more in the future, it looks like, um, people that are in a desperate situation to get rid of their property for whatever reason, they're behind mm -hmm. on their payments, they've lost their job, whatever. Yeah. Um, they could be desperate to move, but there's not a lot of opportunity to sell because right. the buying pool is diminished because interest rates are so high. Right. You can come in as a create with some creative financing, the right. subject to financing, offer them a way to get out from under their property and out from under this monthly overhead that they have with this property. Um, and take on their financing yourself. So you can get a discounted property at a significantly lower interest rate than you would get now. Right. If they refinance it at the bottom, I mean, you could take over somebody's mortgage at 2.7%. Yeah. Had a lender on that wrote a VA loan for yeah. 1.7. One wow. He said that was like the lowest that he did. But wow. it's like, if that guy, for whatever reason, need to get out of that deal, yeah. and you can assume their financing, yeah. get, get the deed over in your name, Right. but keep the financing in their name at 1.7. Right. They get out from under it. You assume all the payments. Both parties win. Yeah. It's uh, it Your can credit be, history is not wrecked. Yeah. It can be a win-win. Your, um, your uh, debt-to-income ratio isn't part of the you know equation or anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you get them out of a bad situation. So the the knowledge that you'll get there and being able to offer sub two or creative financing yeah. options. Yeah. Um, and if, if you work with Tara, which I would recommend, uh, having, you know, working with somebody who's going to write your offers. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to write some of those creative financing. Yeah. And I spoke offers. with her. I think I told you that. Oh, get, yeah. Get. I was working on my real estate license. So oh yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Hopefully if you get your own license, then, then you can just go gangbusters and write. Yeah. But I still need a place to hang the hat. Yeah. The you'll license. have to have, I, I would have her broker your license, Okay, but, um, I'm partial cause she brokers mine. So, right. Right. Um, she I think she's great. <laughs> we can talk about it off camera. Yeah. No, she, she's the best broker I could ask for. Yeah. Cause I don't use my license in a traditional way. Um, and she's Primarily very investing. Yeah. She's very understanding of that. Gives right. me a very long leash. Yeah. While still, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's. Yeah. Because yeah. we have to to protect her license and yeah, her brokerage. Yeah, best of both worlds. But um, I don't have a sales manager that's pressuring me to go to out go there sell and homes. close a bunch of deals. Yeah, right. it's like I'm I'm using it primarily to view and buy stuff for myself. And yeah. Um, finding a, inv inv for anybody that's looking to do that, finding an investor friendly brokerage, yeah. I think is huge. Cause I don't want to yeah. pay. I don't need a Keller Williams. Yeah. I don't need that. EXP. Yeah. I just, it, it's great for 
new agents that need that educational process that they offer. Right. That comes along with several hundred dollars a month and desk fees and whatever. Like I, I own an office. Right. I don't need, right. I don't want to pay a broker desk fees and go to the required classes and right. And that kind of stuff. It's, it's just, um, Tara offers me exactly what I need. And for her, um, I was her first, agent under her brokerage. I didn't know that. It worked out well for her because she was not at a place where she needed an agent that needed their handheld all the time. Yeah. She did a fair bit of handholding. Yeah. Because she has to sign off on any of my offers and, you know, she has, yeah, she has to look over all of my paperwork. Um, but so it it was, I got to be, I was her guinea pig yeah. for having an agent under her sure. and it was, it was good cause I wasn't in a place where I needed to represent a lot of clients and yeah. we had a lot of areas where I needed a lot of oversight. Yeah. Just like, Hey Tara, I'm offering on this property. You know, yeah. I just sent you the offer. Will you sign off on it and stuff yeah. like that. So you just got your master's in real estate, uh, agent offerings. <laughs> yeah. As a yeah. guinea pig. That's but I didn't, I didn't need all the, <laughs> yeah. You didn't the, need the, the traditional elements right. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you want, Tara can't touch what Keller Williams can do when it comes to that daily checking yeah. in on you. Yeah. Like if you want to go be a sales agent, yeah, you may be, you know, people out there may be the kind of person that needs that. Sure a manager like breathing down your neck all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, because that's why they, that's why they charge you those desk fees. It's to pay those people to be engaged with you and teach you and all of that. So it's just, um, anybody that is out there that wants to go get their real estate license. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know what to shop around for a brokerage. Yes. Cause a big part of Keller Williams business model is just to get those fees. is to, yeah, is just to get people fresh out of yeah. getting their license. Yeah. And they offer a lot. I'm not saying that it's, yeah. that it's ill and yeah, it's ill intent, but, yeah. um, you have a lot of options out there for brokerages yes. when you get your license. Yeah. See what best fits. Yeah. 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 Lotus Realty. Lotus Realty. Tara Helgestad. If you're in central Arkansas, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think getting your license would open up some doors. Yeah. Um, some people I'd talk out of it. Yeah. Because like if you were going to go wholesale deals, I would wait until you go to this okay. conference. Okay. Honestly. Yeah. Because I think you'll know a lot more about um, the sub two offers. Okay. Like you'll know way more than I do by the time you come back from that conference. Right. There are instances where it's beneficial to not have your license mm. because... Once you have your license, you're a you're a trained professional. Yeah. And there's all kinds of disclosure. Yeah. Fair housing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's all these kind of things that Whereas come a wholesaler along with doesn't it. have to deal with. When you don't that. have a license, you can just go say whatever you want to whoever right. you want. It's freedom right. of speech, like constitutional yeah. <laughs> right. But as soon as you get licensed in something, it's like some change having a, a engineering license. Yeah. You know, like for certain types of engineering, like you can't sign off on drawings just like that. Right. I can go sign off on whatever drawings I want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, cause you don't have a engineering license. The, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. Now if I was fraudulently like stamping it, like I had a license, you know, right. it'd be like fraud or whatever. Yeah. But like, so it, 
it would be a good question at this conference. It's like, yeah. should I get my license or not? Yeah. Cause there, you open yourself up to some liability stuff as soon as you get your license. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. The whole disclosure thing yeah. is the big one. Yeah. Like wholesalers, most wholesalers don't have their license Yeah, because you, I can't go cold text and <laughs> email and like my, my marketing is limited Right. Uh, because I have my license, I probably sure. wouldn't do that stuff anyways, but, right. um, and there's a lot more when you're a wholesaler, you can just create your own paperwork and have people sign whatever. Yeah. Once you're licensed, I have to use Arkansas yeah. real estate commission approved sure. documents and yeah. yeah, which is, which is good, but yeah, it works well for me. But once again, I just don't think people. If you're gonna go get your real estate license because you think real estate licensing school, the class and mm -hmm. the test are gonna give you like oh, no. knowledge, <laughs> it won't. It's purely textbook. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like yeah. you're gonna learn about like riparian rights and like all these archaic terms that right. no one even uses because right. real estate's been transacted for a long time, right? right? So it does kind of have its own lingo and they'll teach you that. Yeah. But you get your license, you don't know anything about you've never even seen an offer. You've never seen a real estate contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they don't go over any of that stuff. Yeah. That's all up to your brokerage. Yeah. Um so if you're going just for the knowledge, like it's not a, a good enough reason to go get your license, I don't think. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. But if you're doing it because you plan on transacting a lot of deals, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. But that's really just about like the only reason. Yeah. Or if you're going to do it professionally as an agent. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to you. So the you decide to buy this house from your in-laws, you separate the bottom, you Airbnb it out, and that's going well. Yeah. Nice. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great. Um, yeah, you stumbled upon house hacking, and a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, if I could go back and I had to start again from square one, house hacking would 100% be the way. Yeah. Anything and, less than four units or less, conventional yeah. financing, rent out all the other units and yeah. pay for your living expenses or cover <laughs> some of your yeah. debt service. Yeah, exactly. In this case, we still maintain our privacy, so it works out nicely. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So the goal is to, do you have your eyes set on property number two yet? Yeah. Yeah. We've, I've looked at several and now I'm looking at the sub two, you know, back a little bit on the sub two, you know, how did people buy homes in the seventies mm -hmm. when interest rates were in double digits? Yeah. So sub two is not a new concept. Creative right. financing is not clear, is, is not as new as people think. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, bell bottoms, it just comes and goes and trends. Right. Yeah. They're, they're back. You know, yeah. they're back. <laughs> so yeah. So high interest rate environment causes people to get creative mm -hmm. and assets are still assets and somebody's going to buy it. And, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that niche to your point earlier is going to definitely grow even more in this high interest rate, what some call high interest rate, we haven't yet reached double digits. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of had the easy money. They'll for a give long you double time. digits. Yeah. Yeah. We had the easy money for a long time. The last 10, 12 years, we mm -hmm. used to the two, three, four, five percent. Haven't seen a true, you know, six percent. If you look back just over four decades, is normal. Is nothing, right. nothing yeah. too crazy. It's the, inflationary environment that's definitely what's the combo of that is definitely hurting right you know yeah yeah um historically when we were at double digit interest rates um in the 80s 
um, the income was much higher. Right. Yeah. With, uh, compared to compared to now. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, it's, um, it's going to hurt, but it's, it's supposed to, we've, we've lived without the pain for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, everyone knew the pain was coming and here it comes. comes. But like, uh, like I mentioned having the lender on the podcast earlier, it's, Mm. I was asking him kind of what he's seen with this increase rate in this interest rate increase and what, you know, he doesn't have a crystal ball, but like what do you, what do you think's going to, going to happen? And he's, he's been in lending since before Oh seven, Oh eight. And he's kind of seen when they busted and all. Right. And, um, he's like, you know, uh, real estate's still going to transact. The wheel's going to keep turning. It, it's going to look abnormal compared to what we've seen the last couple of years. Right. But he was like, really, I think it's more n- normal than the last couple yeah. of years. Like the last couple of years are just wild. Like yeah. It was just crazy. Right. Yeah. People um, get whatever they, uh, they ask for. Yeah. And I think he was right. And I think you're right. It's like, the transactions are still going to be happening. It's just going to be, it's going to be up to who can structure the deal most creatively to benefit right. both parties. Um, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. So like rich dad, poor dad, liabilities and assets. Sure. Um, if you haven't read never split the difference by Chris Voss, oh, yeah. uh, I mentioned it a few times on here. Yeah. Great book on yeah. this because I haven't read it yet. Heard a it's lot a of great, great book on this because it kind of lends to that negotiating. Cr- creative negotiating. So he was an FBI, a lead FBI hostage negotiator. Okay. Um, and ended up working like international hostage negotiations. Wow. And he, the book applies those hostage negotiation tactics to business mm. because so the book the title of the books never split the difference. Okay. And his analogy is like in a hostage negotiation, we can't just do your, let's just meet in the middle, right? You send me half the hostage. I'll send you half the money, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you can't do that. Right. You have to really get creative, think outside the box and come up with mutually beneficial solutions. Right. And, um, in my experience in real estate, that's when I've been able to get the best deals, right? Yeah. It's like you have a seller that's yeah. listed the properties for sale for a reason. Yeah. Uh, Chris Voss calls that information uh, black swan. Mm. It's like, what is, what is at the root? What's the root problem that I can solve for this seller that leads to us being able to do this deal in a mutually beneficial way. Right. Because it's easy to just look at it as they're asking $100,000. I want to get it for 50. Uh, Maybe maybe he'll settle for 75. Yeah. And sometimes it does. But like, you know, it leaves you both feeling like I paid more than I wanted. And he feels like he got less than what he wanted. Um, And that's the same principle of creative financing. Exactly. A lot of times a property, 100K, let's say it's on been on the market mm-hmm. and a real estate agent is trying to sell, you get 90,000, 80,000, the, the owner is like, I don't want any of this. Creative finance guy says, well, I'll pay you 100. I might even pay you 110. Yeah. So your price, my terms, or you yeah. know, some negotiable terms. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the cool thing about pre You're not feeling like you, know, you were hung dry all the, just to get the sale done. Yeah. It's just another tool in your tool belt. Right. Um, the more of those you have, right. the better off you'll be and the more successful you'll be long term because like what I've been trying to do, mm-hmm. not to not to talk about me, but this may be helpful. Yeah. Is is to create uh 
structures in my business that no matter what deal comes across the table, we have some way that it would work sure. because the numbers are all different. Let's, yeah. let's stick to solely single family, right? right? But if a deal comes across the table, uh, the numbers that I run for how to do that rehab, mm-hmm. um, let's say, so one, one funnel that deals could come in that I move deals to is for long-term rentals. Mm. Well, I'm going to do that rehab number, rehab numbers and stuff differently than I would for this funnel over here for like Airbnb. Right. Right. Completely different yeah. rehabs or for flip properties. Right. Right. Like a flip's going to look completely different than my long-term rentals. I'm just right. going to do them in a different way. So that rehab number is different here in this funnel. Right. And then I've got my monthly rent based off of the long-term rent funnel that we're in. And that gives me an offer price, right? right? Yeah. Um, and it's different over here for like short-term rentals. It's different right. over here for flips. Right. Um, and then within those, you have different ways to structure those offers. You could create creatively finance any of those. You could cash. And um, so it's it's just another by building out these systems and processes and being able to run those deal, run those numbers accurately, mm-hmm. it comes out at the bottom offer price for each different strategy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then they all, each of those also has like pros and cons right. for the seller. Cause yeah. my financing dictates what I can offer the seller, right? Like yeah. some ways I'm able to structure it where I can offer them cash Yeah. through creative financing. I'm not, offering them cash at all, maybe a little bit like, sure. like we talked about, but like I'm offering them a way out where they may not have another yeah. way out. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a tool in your tool belt that will be able to get you a deal where it may not happen other ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. usually what happens is I'll run a deal through all these funnels and it's like immediately doesn't make sense for a long-term rental, right? Sure. Cash flow is not there. It immediately yeah. doesn't make sense for yeah. a flip because uh, the property values in the neighborhood aren't where they need to be. Yeah. But hey, uh, it it makes sense at this price for a short-term rental. Right. I've got one of those right now on 10th Street by UAMS. Nice. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. As a, I was going to have to put too much in it for right. it to be a long-term rental. Right. Too much money in and too low of a monthly rent. But for a short-term rental. And it wouldn't make sense as a flip because the property values aren't where That's they great. need to be. Yeah to make the margins I need to make for a flip. Right. But as a furnished short-term rental in the proximity to UAMS, it's like hospital. I can afford to put more money into it and furnish it mm-hmm. because as opposed to renting it for seven fifty a month yeah. as a two bed, one bath yeah. in not the best neighborhood. Right. Um, doesn't make sense for the seven fifty a month, right. but the 2150 I can charge as a furnished short-term rental. Yeah the money I have to put into the rehab now makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And travel nurses, different people, yeah. UMS furnish finder, you know, that website. Yeah. They'll be all over that. Yeah. So, you know, started off as long-term rental only mm-hmm. and w- realized very quickly that like, that's an incredible business. It right. can make you a lot of money, help you provide for your family, your business, your right. community, whatever. But all of a sudden it's like you get into add some flips in there. Cause like I've already built up my connections and everything right. for doing all the renovation work, finding deals, whatever, but I'm missing out on all these opportunities for flip projects because I haven't done it. So I just started sure. doing it. 
yeah. found some success with that. So I still do some of those when they, yeah. when those deals make sense. Yeah. Started finding out that like, there's some deals that don't pass either of these tests that are slipping through the cracks. Yeah. But they work as short-term rentals, I think. So yeah. I'm starting to do some of those. Yeah. And it's like, you, you get a diverse portfolio, right? It's just adding all those, the more of those options you can have. Then any property that comes your way, yep. you can funnel through any of those filters. Yep. Yeah. And so you'll, you'll now have some experience with conventional, traditional financing. Right. You go to this conference and like you get yeah. a ton of knowledge on sub two. Right. And all of a sudden more of these deals that you look at. Yeah. Start making more sense and fitting yeah. your, fitting this sub two model or the conventional yeah. model or. Yeah. I was looking at one in Smoky Mountains. Really? That I could use a DSCR loan. Yeah. You know? And usually they don't care about your. DTI, but the they income. do care about your credit score okay. and the rental income generated. Yeah. So the credit score has to be, still be decent, Yeah. but they're not looking at your DTI. So it's like getting a second loan, but your interest rate will be higher. So the pros and cons of that loan, DSCR. Right. Um, but you can still get good, you know, you, basically you can get a loan. And right. then, uh, so I was looking and at And get that. the asset is the right. main thing. Yeah, get the asset that generates cash flow. Right. And the other thing I did, uh, speaking of tools, was I applied for business credit cards. Yeah. So I got 0% cards for over, somewhere up to 18 months. So let's yeah. say I go buy a property and I want to renovate it. Mm -hmm. I can buy, I can have the contractor swipe that card. If I turn it around, which generally is not too hard within a year, Yeah. then I had 0% money through the business credit card. Yeah. And I'm building my business credit. And then once once the property is renovated and rented out and quote unquote stabilized, then you can probably switch your DSR loan mm -hmm. to something more conventional. Yeah. yeah Lower you, interest. Yeah, and you can long always term. yeah, refi it to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many tool belts out there. Right. The, 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 the destination vacations are a big one for the short term. That's why I was looking at the Smoky Mountains because yeah. that cash flow is higher. And there are some off season times, but then when you average it out, right, they, they turn out to be really good. Yeah. We, I'm interested in that because we did a video recently where I talked about um, risk versus reward. Mm and how it's um how it's like a lot of things it's it's a bit of a spectrum right right so when we apply that to single family mm -hmm. real estate investing um i put vacation destination rentals mm -hmm. on the riskier end sure of the spectrum sure um because they're typically more expensive houses with more expensive furnishings sure um and we're entering into a market where are people going to be Still, taking a lot of vacations? Yeah, like, right. you know, people's belts are getting tighter, tight. Yeah. Um, but they're typically the reward can be great. Cause yeah. I mean, the weekend rentals can be yeah. expensive and, right. but it comes with expensive management fees, sure. um, expensive insurance. Uh, yeah. all of your expenses are higher, higher. So it's, I put it on the high risk, high reward, yeah, side of things. Of yeah. The, yeah side and of I the put matrix. the like affordable single family on the low risk, yeah. low reward, you yeah. know, like all of my affordable rental stuff is like, um, 
it's not no risk. It's just lower. Have you done any like, Section 8? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Do you have any of those myths come true? <laughs> which ones? Like they say, if you do Section 8, well, you're guaranteed the income because it's Basically, through the government. Yeah. And people want to keep the voucher, so they're not going to, like, tear yeah. the property apart or whatever. Or have you still had some um, bad apples? Yeah, I mean, there's bad apples everywhere. Yeah. Um, but overall, I would say my experience with Section 8 is better than expected. Yeah. Um, I had heard terrible things about their inspectors mm-hmm. coming and just m- requiring a lot of ridiculous updates mm. um, and stuff like that to for the house to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't dealt with any of that. Okay. Um, I'd like to think that it's generally because I try to not be a slumlord. I mean, I try to <laughs> yeah. give people um, decent yeah. homes to live in yeah. and raise their kids and whatever. Right. Um, so I don't know if I had just heard that myth from people that genuinely don't take care of houses right. at all. That's a good point. Um, but so I don't know. I haven't, I, I've had an overall very good experience with um, yeah. Section 8. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy in Sub 2. Yeah. And he's got several and he said Ohio is one of the top ones. Yeah. I've and heard that as well. Yeah, he's got one there. I know people that that's all they do. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's it's the main part of their investment yeah. thesis. Yeah. Um I don't know enough about it. Right. Probably to talk at length about it. Um I employ two different management companies and they handle the paperwork involved and and that kind of stuff i only hear about the stuff that goes poorly (laughs) you know like it's just kind of the nature of of being in charge it's like i i just get the bad stuff yeah um but as far as the bad stuff pertaining to section eight it's very low good yeah 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 um i would be afraid to have my entire portfolio section eight because it I'm probably just a little paranoid, like having the government um, dictate what they'll pay in rent and stuff like that. It just, I would, I would not like to expose myself to the government's. Just a percentage of it. Yeah. Yeah. But some of it, it's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, because it's guaranteed for the most part. Yeah. As in the payment, the rent payment. Yeah. A bulk of the. I think they pay like what most of the tenants pay fifty hundred dollars in addition to whatever the voucher is. Or 150. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Some people don't get all of it paid for. Um, People get, based off of their inability to pay, they get a percentage of their rent covered. Yeah. Um, So your split is in what? You got some section aid, some long term, some midterm, and some short term. Almost all long term and a small percentage of that section aid. Okay. Um, very small percentage in short term actually just like started trying that out. Yeah. Because, um, I'm all about low risk educational foundational steps. Right. If I have a house. Yeah. I mean the house that is close, it's, you know, it's, you can view UAMS from the front porch. All right. Um, I bought it for $18,000. Nice. It needed a hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Right. But, uh, and furnishings and all of that, I think about 118 into it, right. but it's just about to get marketed for 2150 a month. Nice. So, um, so you exceeded the 1% rule. Yeah. Almost doubled it. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 2%. Nice. 
Yeah, that's pretty good um, in this environment. Yeah. Well, we'll see, right? So it's like, I at this stage I'm at, I would classify that house as a low-risk foundational educational step. Right. I've got one. Yeah. We're going to see. Experiment a little bit with it. How it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it turns out really well, then there's a couple more that I have close to there that when they become vacant, I may fix them up nicer and furnish them and yeah. capitalize on that opportunity to make more money a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding out, you know, the term highest and best use when it comes to real estate is right. commonly used. What is the highest and best use for that property? Well, sometimes it's really hard to know. Right. Sometimes you have a pretty good idea, but um, it can be a little scary right. to take that risk of like, I'm going to take this $18,000 house. It's a total yeah. dump. <laughs> and I'm going to make it nicer than every other house on the block. But you raise the value of the other properties then. Yeah. Intrinsic. And like on paper, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah. when you're spending the $100,000, yeah. like, it hits a little different, right? Yeah, you're like, absolutely. oh, I hope this really does rent for the twenty one fifty that they think it's going to. Right. You don't really know. Until, yeah, it's all said and done. Right. Yeah. Now your doors, are they all in separate LLCs or how do you do your structuring? Well, so I would not uh, give this as legal advice. <laughs> um all of them are under one LLC. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But that LLC is owned by a different company. A holding company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have a holding company. Right. That's my main umbrella. Sure. That then holds interest in several other companies. Right. And one of those companies holds the bulk of your yeah. properties. Yeah. 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 It's just an asset protection thing. Yeah. Yeah, for for but we as, learn and go. So. Yeah, for for liability reasons. Yeah. Um, and for um, for tax purposes. Sure. So like my holding company, if I'm lucky enough that any of the holdings underneath it turn a profit, need to distribute sure. money out. Yeah. Um, it goes into the holding company, and that and that holding company, you know, rents this office and sure runs stuff out of here that yeah um so which is part of learning how to do real estate that's the whole reason for real estate is half of it is structuring yeah if you want to get the full benefit of investing in real estate right part of it is your classic passive income rental income whatever you know the Mm -hmm. classic everybody gets excited oh i got 200 dollars positive after all my expenses from this yeah but the bigger bulk of it is how you structure behind the scenes so you can get that depreciation you can get the tax Mm -hmm. benefits which in in all uh credit to the american tax code system is designed to benefit the entrepreneur yeah, exactly. It's, you could call it a loophole, you could call it whatever, but yeah. the tax code was written to incentivize reinvesting in the system. And those who do it, back to your reward statement, get mm-hmm. the maximum reward. So you could hate Trump or you could hate Kiyosaki. It's like you created the system. You were just right. using the system. Like Trump said to right. to Hillary, it's like, right. yeah, I, I followed the tax code. I yeah. didn't pay much in taxes. Right. It's like your donors don't either. Right. right. That's what he was like. <laughs> yeah. And you've been in politics forever. Why haven't you changed it? Oh yeah. It's because your donors do the same thing. And, and she, she does, does the same, same thing. thing but... Yeah. Well, so it was explained to me this way and it was really helpful. Right. And I've mentioned this before, but the way it was explained to me is they, they're not tax loopholes. They're right. tax incentives. Exactly. They're on purpose. Yeah. They're not, 
they're not loopholes that just get ignored in the right in, in and the an government. IRS agent is just closing his eye right they're they're not just holes in the bucket they're right. they're incentives that are designed to be there Absolutely. in the tax code yeah. and it's the government's way of incentivizing things that the government can't do well yeah or they need a partner the government can't you know bash Jeff Bezos and Amazon all you want. Right. They've created a ton of value in our economy. They, Absolutely. they provide a ton of jobs, tens of thousands, hundreds right. of thousands of jobs. Um, and because of that, um, their corporate tax bills minimal. Sure. Um, because they are going out there and doing things in the economy that the government can't do. The government, yeah. I don't want the government to go hire however many Amazon employees there are. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want, yeah. I don't want to pay those people's salary right. when a corporation can do it. And yeah. like that money gets reinvested into our right. economy. It's like, you really want the government to handle all that money and like be sponsoring like butterfly gender studies in Japan <laughs> or like, you know, like all this off the wall stuff that our tax yeah. dollars go to. Like, yeah. no, I don't like, yeah, you said it best. It's, it's, it's all in how you view it. So it's, the entrepreneur, the true capitalist, whether we like it or not, gets the most benefit because it's incentivized to whoever puts back into the system. Right. It's a risk-reward thing. You're like, okay, you took your hard-earned money. And you could keep it, put it in a savings account, but you went around and bought real estate, provided housing for somebody. So you're putting back in the system. And for that purpose, you get these tax benefits. Right. That's, that's all it is. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you can call it whatever you want. It's easy to look at my tax bill and be like, oh, your portfolio company that, yeah. you know, did all this revenue, didn't pay right. any taxes. It's like, nope. Yeah, but it look didn't. at all the opportunities you created. Do you want the government housing, you know, all these residents? Right. Like, uh, it's like, no, but I, I, I you know, helped keep a few people at a bank employed, right. you know, like yeah. I helped, uh, title companies. Yeah. Like, um, every place the transaction goes through, somebody's making some money. Right. And, and it all just stays in this little, it stays in our ecosystem. It just, I think, I think people get a really, um, well, until you're in it, it, you don't understand most people. If you've never been in it, you're looking from the outside in. And right. so they're like, oh, your tax bill was $750, but look at all this money, man. Well, but look right. at all the headaches you took on. Look at all the yeah. sleepless nights you had. Look at all the challenges and oh, they don't see back of, of the wall corner yeah. you were in. I told Aaron you, we yeah. should have this podcast when I'm in this office till 1 a.m. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Cracking your brain and right. figuring things yeah, out. Yeah. It's like we should show all the boring stuff where I'm pulling my hair out. And right. like, yeah. It's, uh, at least you have lots of hair left. When you do the, <laughs> when you, when you just get a glimpse of like these podcasts where it's you like, I get to talk like, to awesome people. It's just like, you think it's just all coffee and, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. Like right. living the dream. Right. Um, but you know, most of the people that complain about billionaires not paying their fair share in taxes, right. they get a tax refund. Right. You know, like I remember looking forward to my tax refunds. Right. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Props to you for getting one. But like, I, I just don't think you get to complain about how much I do or do not pay in corporate taxes when you're getting money back every year. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So anyways, I uh, didn't mean to rant about taxes, but you're, you're absolutely correct. When you're, 
investing in real estate, there's a few different things to consider. Not just the nuts and bolts of how to structure the deal. Sure. Um, not just the nuts and bolts of how to structure um, the cash flow and whatever, but there's also kind of the the back office stuff yeah. of, uh, I mean, dude, I've bought a lot of houses from a lot of landlords that they still go door to door and collect cash from their right. residents every month. Wow. And um, it's not how I would recommend doing it. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits that come through doing things the legitimate way. Yeah. Um, and some of that is like, is for financing reasons. If you're collecting cash from residents and stuffing it under a mattress, um, it's going to be really hard to get a loan on your next yeah. deal yeah. when, you know, it may, it may sound good, um, showing no income right. on a, on a tax statement until right. you need to go get your next loan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all that, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think I ran my own train off the tracks there. What were we, uh, where were we at? We're we talking were talking about your about deal. Different, yeah, mine, and then we talked about your different filters and strategies. Yeah, I think you're going to learn a lot of that sub two conference. Yeah. I'm excited mm -hmm. for you. If I can join, I will. Um, and what, you do Toro, so you rent cars? You've got a few side hustles. Yeah, three. Can we promote any of them here to get try and get you some business? What about your, <laughs> no, yeah, your notary business? Yeah, the, the cool thing about the notary one is I get in the middle of all kinds of crazy transactions. I was the other day I was in the middle of a one point five million dollar transaction. Yeah. For a the, house? Well, it was a commercial property. Okay. And uh without giving too much away, but the, the the people who were leasing a building, their business is doing well. Yeah. So they don't wanna lease anymore, they wanna buy their own property and build their own property. Mm -hmm. And so the commercial real estate agent uh, who I got to know his, it just so happened in this transaction, his dad is the one providing the promissory note. So I notarized the real estate agent, I notarized the dad, the promise, and I notarized the four owners of the new property. And I found a private money lender, and the guy said, yeah. basically, next time you have a deal or something. So yeah. the cool thing about the note, and then I've done a lot of estate planning, trusts and stuff, you know. Yeah. So my knowledge is growing. Hopefully I'm adding value, providing a service. I'm getting in the middle of transactions. I'm learning more, and which is what I'm excited about, the license too. Yeah. That I'll be getting in the middle of transaction. It's another it's tool like, in the you know, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I like to think of it, the simple analogy is how did Apple get in the middle of everything? Now there's Apple Pay, there's iPhones, there's mm -hmm. iPods. There's, what can you not, well, which most, over 3 billion, I think they have users, Apple does, somewhere in there. Yeah. Can you imagine life without an iPhone? Nope. Or the equivalent of? Because mm -mm. they're in the middle of everything. So if you're in the middle of the transaction, you get part of the transaction. Mm. And that's the moral of the story. Yeah. You know, it's not because you're greedy or whatever. That's just how it works. Right. You know, you it's provide the a way service. Of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apple Pay is in there. You know, they're making, they're not a bank officially. Yeah. They partner with the bank, but they're in the middle of transactions. Same yeah. thing with PayPal. Same thing with Venmo. They're all the conduit, the yeah, facilitators, the conduit, and they get a percentage. Yeah, you know, um, I love I love the the notary business because it's another one of those things. Like I tell people, like uh, low risk. Yeah, like you you put in the time and the money and the effort to become a notary. Yeah, which just about anybody could do. Absolutely, right? There's very, very little restriction on who can become yeah. a notary. Yeah, um, and it's something that 
low risk foundational educational, yeah. right? And like through doing the notarizing of things, you mentioned all those things, you get all those connections, you yeah. get, uh, you get to experience deals yeah. and through doing enough of those, you start kind of seeing how some things yeah. work, what the paperwork looks like, what contracts yeah. and stuff look Build like. Relationship. Yeah. I had somebody call me back yesterday. He had an estate that in Massachusetts, I believe mm-hmm. everything is an estate, even a small home. Yeah. It has to be put through an estate and yeah. it's an attorney state. So they have to sell it. And we went over there and I did all his work and he called me back. So he's a repeat clientele now. Yeah. Because he has something else going on and he wants me to come help him out tomorrow. And anyway, the website is pleasantvalleynotary.com. Pleasantvalleynotary.com. Yeah. yeah. Need so. a mobile notary anywhere in central Arkansas. Call me. The, um, one of the things, uh, when we met at the real estate meetup that I, I have a lot of people that want to talk to me about real estate and especially the last handful of years, like everybody wants to get in on it. Right. Everybody wants to like, um, work with me on a deal or like, you know, come shadow me for a day or whatever. And I'm a very giving person. Real estate's been uh, an incredible blessing in my life. So when somebody's like, their words say, I want to get involved or I want to learn more, I'm like, yes, I want to do anything I can to help facilitate you with that and help you with that. But what I learned is, um, and I had a mentor kind of help me with this, is like a lot of people say a lot of things. Right. And you can't want it for them more than they do. And I found myself in that situation a lot. Right. So my filter has gotten a lot better. And so when I met with you, when I met you and it's like, okay, the, the proof is in the pudding kind of thing, right? Like, um, you weren't just some guy at a real estate meetup saying, I want to get into real estate investing. It's like you had bought a house. Yeah. You were Airbnb being part of it. Um, you are looking at other deals. You're going to this sub two conference. It's like the, the actions are there. I don't want it for you more than you want it for you. I want it for you, (laughs) but like, hopefully I needed one of one. You're right. You're, you're going to do it with or without me because you were already doing it without me. Right. So it's like, when I hear stuff like that, it's like, that's somebody like I will, go get coffee with, I will try to help if there's action takers. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, all that to say like props to you for like doing all of it and continuing to look to improve and learn. And I mean, it's obviously served you incredibly well and will continue to do so. Yeah. Um, and so to give props to you and also just to encourage people out there, um, to try and be that way. Cause I, I try to be that way. Um, not saying it's the best way, but like if you approach somebody that you think has more knowledge than you in an area, Hmm. um, you will go further when it's like, here's some steps that I've already taken Yes, and I'm going to continue on that path. Right. Would love to get some helpful knowledge from you or whatever. Right. Um, if, if there's a convenient time for you. Yeah. Other than just going up and being like, (laughs) Hey man, can I shadow you for a day? It's like, you're not going to learn much from me for a day. It's part right. of why I started the YouTube channel. It's like, yeah, 
because what uh, I didn't get to this point earlier. So my mentor, when I was telling him I had this issue with people, he's like, put a small hurdle in their way. And those that get over the hurdle, yeah, then you That's give good. them a book to read. Yeah. And if they read the book and come back to you, then it shows they're willing. You know how many people read the book? Almost nobody. The Chris Voss one. Well, well yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> I gave you one, like, but, but if you give somebody a small hurdle yeah. and they get over it and then they come back to you, then you know, you've got, yeah. But so started this YouTube channel is one of the hurdles I'll give people. Uh, it's also okay. a shameless plug. It's like, if somebody has a real estate question now I can be like, yeah, yeah, I've got a video about that. Go. Oh yeah, check I remember. Out the video. Did you you send me a link? So I guess did I pass the? <laughs> <laughs> I do it subconsciously now. I no, think. I, I just I'm, like, I'm asking now that the show is coming to end. Did I did I pass the hurdle that I watched it? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you you've conquered. Um, the you've conquered way bigger hurdles than than any of the <laughs> ones that I would give you. So, uh, just wanted to make sure I gave you uh, yeah, uh, props thanks, because thanks I find your story your story encouraging, and I hope you. I mean, you will stay on this path of, um, self-discovery, uh, you know, knowledge and, um, self-improvement journey that you're on. It's just exciting. And I'm more than happy to help in any way that I can. Yeah. Thanks thanks for having me um, again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Good. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't too bad. You did great. Um, thank you all for watching. And for those of you listening, thank you as well. If you're listening, go check us out on YouTube. If you're watching, you can listen to us on Spotify, find us across all social media at hustle on purpose, and I'll see you on the next one. Go out there and hustle on purpose.